Good morning, gorgeous. How are you ladies doing this morning? I hope you're all doing fantastic. This is your host, Dr. Michelle Daff, and you are listening to a Feminine Impression Podcast. Today, we are going to be discussing the orphan spirit. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is an orphan spirit? Does it mean that you are an orphan? Well, it's a great question, and we're definitely going to dive into it. If you're not familiar, we're currently reading the book, The Esther Anointing, written by Michelle McLean Walters. And in this chapter, we talk about you as a woman breaking free from different spiritual ties that you may not be aware of. And this was a chapter that meant so much to me because it helped me to reflect on so many things that I did not want to even think about as it relates to my personality. But in facing those things and trusting God with all of the secret places in my heart, he was able to open me up and have me deal with some of the more painful things, which allowed me to be able to break into my purpose. So I hope this chapter does the same for you. Go ahead and sit back, relax, grab something to drink, get something to write with, and let's talk about this. Hi ladies, welcome, 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 welcome. We're here tonight to discuss the book, The Esther Anointing by Michelle McLean Walters. And we're talking today about the orphan spirit, breaking free from spiritual ties that are holding you back. So many ladies have been loving this series. It's been freeing you from so many things. I'm just so, so grateful and thankful that God has been helping you ladies in this way. And for those of you who have been really benefiting from this book, because this book is so, it's so amazing. I would love for you to just reach out to the author. She's on Instagram. She's so sweet. You can just reach out to her and let her know. Like, I love this book. It's helped me so much. I think that's always wonderful to let people know how much their work has changed you, has helped you, has inspired you. Uh, you know, we're all human. And I think she would love to know how wonderful this book has been for your life. And it also just brings me to the point of how important it is for every single one of you ladies to be able to break free from all of your spiritual ties, to be able to really form a close relationship with Christ not, we're not talking religion. We are talking relationship to be able to have a personal relationship with God, to be able to unlock everything that he has for your life in terms of your purpose, in terms of just being a happier and joyful person and living your life to the best uh, capacity. So it's important for you to be able to do that because you don't know what you're unlocking for another woman. If I wasn't able to break free from all of these spiritual things that I was dealing with that I didn't realize I had going on, I would have never been able to even have the courage to come here and speak to you ladies. So, I mean, I'm one person and me being able to cross over that bridge has been able to free so many of you ladies. Imagine if all of you were able to do that. How many women we would be able to help and how many lives we'd be able to change. So it's necessary. A lot of times your breakthrough is important, not just for you, but for someone else, because we're all here for one another. So don't take it lightly. Your breakthrough is not just for you. You need it to be able to free one of your sisters. 
I used to do videos like this on my blog channel and I've done it for years. I call it March into Faith. And every March I do like blogs. I talk about God and they never had the power behind it like they do now in terms of people really being able to be set free, being able to heal. All of that healing power has come from the power of the Holy Spirit. So me rededicating my life to God, me being saved, I was always someone who considered myself a Christian, but I wasn't born again. So me giving my life to God and allowing him to take over my life is what has helped you ladies because the power in these videos is not me. I know so many of you think that, oh, like I'm so great and thank you, but it's not, it's not me. It's God. It's God that's inside of me that's healing you and helping you. And that's only because of my decision to submit to him. I've done these videos before without any power behind it. And there's a major difference. So I don't want you to underestimate how important it is to have the Holy Spirit inside of you for the power behind whatever it is that you're doing for other people. So with that being said, I want to go ahead and start talking about the orphan spirits. This is my favorite chapter in the book. And I had never even heard of this term. I do think that the author was the one that kind of came up with it. But I thought it was so interesting. And the first time I read it, I was like, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> this doesn't sound like me. I don't think I have this problem. But the Holy Spirit was like, read it again. There's so many things packed into this chapter. And I believe that there's something that every single person's probably struggling with at some point in their lives that they can relate to or can use to help someone else. So this chapter to me was my favorite. It was so powerful. It was so deep. I broke down crying reading it the first time. And I think that it'll help free so many of you ladies understanding this whole idea behind an orphan spirit. So let's start with page 80. If you have the book, it's chapter six. It is through traumatic ordeals that our character is tested and we are forced to tap into hidden gifts, wisdom, and ingenuity. It is through the storms of life that character flaws are uncovered and refined, our true identities are revealed, and we are transformed into the heroic, influential woman that God created us to be. The Lord causes the fire of adversity to cause the dross in the heart to be purged and the heart is purified. He is committed to removing anything that will hinder the fulfillment of his purposes in our lives. I would like to use this chapter to uncover what I believe is the greatest hindrance of the Esther anointing and perhaps the greatest curse on the earth today, the orphan spirit. Esther's reluctance and then sudden compliance to her cousin Mordecai's demands to approach the king unannounced upon threat of death stemmed from a deeply rooted emotional battle with the orphan orphan spirit. And remember when she was asked initially, she sort of hesitated and said, well, I can't go to the king without being summoned. He hasn't summoned me for 30 days. And that's when he came back and said, listen, don't think that if you don't do it, the deliverance from the Jews won't come from someone else. And that's when she went on to say, you know, if I perish, I perish, I'll, I'll do it. But her initial response wasn't like a immediate, okay, what do I have to do? She really did hesitate. So that's kind of what she's pulling from. In the beginning of the story of Queen Esther, the author identifies Esther as being raised by her cousin Mordecai. Esther 2.7 states that Esther neither had father nor mother. In other words, she was an orphan. She had no mother or father. 
Someone who is fatherless has no identity as a son or daughter. Esther had a true identity crisis. She had been raised as a Jew, but was forced to live as a Persian. The name Esther itself is an indication as to how she led her life and fulfilled her role. The root of Esther in Hebrew is Hester, meaning hidden. Some scholars believe Esther's name means hidden, reflecting her hidden identity. She had to hide her true identity, but I believe she was also hiding her inner struggle with the orphan spirit. It takes the eyes of discernment to see the spirit in many of Esther's responses and actions. It was the orphan spirit that caused Esther to respond to Mordecai with indifference and insecurity. The orphan spirit caused her to have fear about her position with her husband. Her initial response was rooted in self-preservation. Self-preservation is a fruit of an orphan spirit. It is in difficult times that we dig deep within to overcome our greatest obstacle to fulfilling destiny, which is self. Esther overcomes herself and finds the courage to reveal her identity as a Jew regardless of the consequences. Mordecai knew that Esther had a survivalist mentality. She had a tendency to protect herself and do whatever it took to survive. Esther was a young woman placed in circumstances out of her control, and we've all been there. Many times women are placed in situations where it seems as if there's no other alternative but to comply with the circumstance, even if that means we lose our dignity and self-respect in the process. Esther had a difficult time her first six years in the palace. She remained passive to the king and obedient to her cousin Mordecai. Her passivity and indifference to the plight of her people all stemmed from her lack of identity. This too was fruit of the orphan spirit. So that was pretty heavy. And I think that it's beautiful that the author was able to pull this from those statements and be able to kind of see what Esther was dealing with internally when she was asked to do that. Now, what she was asked to do was a huge, huge ordeal to be able to approach the king without being summoned. That's a big deal because back then, sometimes people would try to murder the king. And so they're very careful about someone coming unsummoned. And it's also disrespectful. So the penalty for that was death. So for her to make that decision, I don't think anyone would have done that lightly. But he also knew her and knew what her natural response is probably going to be. Like, mm, no, I don't know. I'm, I'm good. So I don't know if I want to do this, if I want to put myself in this position. And so when she talks about the word spirit, when you hear spirit, you can sort of think of when we hear that word, sometimes you might think it's like some creepy, like ghost like thing going on with us. But when you hear the term spirit, you can think of like an attitude of something. Every attitude has a spirit behind it. So we live in a spiritual world, but spirits need bodies to be able to function. And so whenever you're experiencing an emotion, it's usually stemming from a spirit. That's why we have like the fruit of the spirit, like gentleness and patience and love and those are fruit of the Holy Spirit. But there are also different spirits or attitudes that we possess. And a lot of times when we're doing things, we have to take a step back and figure out what is the root of this? What spirit am I operating out of? Because that's what the enemy also does is uses these demonic spirits and these negative spirits or attitudes or emotions to try to run you with. So in terms of the orphan spirit, it doesn't mean that you're an actual orphan. So you can have your parents and still 
carry an orphan spirit because of maybe things you've gone through or things that have shaped your self-image. So it does not mean you actually don't have parents, but typically those who did not have parents because your parents are so crucial in life in terms of knowing who you are. People who a lot of times are adopted or went through foster care, a lot of times they struggle with their identity because they don't know where they come from. They may feel abandoned. They may feel like they're alone. And so these sort of spirits sometimes come out of that, but it doesn't have to be that way. It could be you being raised by your grandparents and not having your physical parents raising you. Are you being raised by parents who are maybe careless or irresponsible with you in terms of their duties as parents? This can be picked up from a lot of different things. And as a psychologist, I see this a lot because I deal mostly with teenagers. So I get to see how this manifests at a very young age and how it kind of develops into adulthood and what it looks like in a child versus in an adult. I'm going to read out of page 83 where she says, when you become the center of your own universe, you become your own resource and you become afraid of God. Those with an orphan spirit lack emotional identity and attempt to earn a sense of identity through their effort. As a blogger once wrote, spiritual orphans are those who feel alone, who feel like they do not have a safe and secure place in the father's heart where he can affirm, protect, provide, and express his love to them. They feel as if they do not belong. They are full of fear, anxiety, and insecurity. Spiritual orphans have an independent spirit that often causes them to hide or deny pain. The orphan spirit is always concerned with provision and protection. This worry causes them to operate in their own abilities apart from God. And I've often seen this in people who were raised, again, in abusive homes, or maybe you had parents that were narcissistic and just very into their own selves and didn't seem to really care about you. And you had to take on this attitude, this spirit of making sure that you were always good, making sure that you took care of you, that you were able to get the things that you wanted in a different way because you knew you would never get it the way other people were able to get it. If you grew up in extreme poverty and you got to see the world around you living in a certain way that you didn't have access to and you feel like you are less than or you're coming up short in some way. Or if you had parents that expected you to be perfect and they expected perfection from you in every way, the way that you speak, the way that you perform in school, the way that you carry yourself, they just wanted you to be the perfect little girl. That's always very difficult to upkeep and you have this dual identity because obviously you're not perfect. But in order to keep them in that happy state, you had to be one way with them and then one way when you're by yourself. Or if you lived in a home, say, where you had a step parent and maybe they had like maybe your mom and then you had like a stepdad or the other way around. And maybe they had other kids and you were the only kid from your mom or the only kid from your dad. And you felt like, okay, well, I'm in the family, but I'm alone. I don't connect with you guys. I don't feel like I'm really part of the family. And you had to kind of break off emotionally to take care of yourself. So 
there are a lot to me. I mean, I sat down and thought about like all the different ways a person could feel this way. And I know that there are so many things tied to family dynamics that shape your identity. Literally everything that becomes who you are is a result of the family that you grew up in or the lack of. So you can kind of think about your own situation and think about the way you were raised and how you saw yourself and who you aligned yourself with, who you connected to, or if you felt like you didn't belong, you were so different, you were left out, maybe you were like a middle child and everyone else had all these great things about them and you kind of got lost in the mix. So you would like spend time by yourself. Things like that are things to consider how you became the way you are today. And I'm going to read from page 84 where she says, A person who operates out of an orphan spirit constantly harbors feelings of abandonment, loneliness, alienation, and isolation. Those who operate out of an orphan heart never want to rebel against those in authority, for this may jeopardize their security. And this is something that I think is major. And I can see why she says that this is the biggest attack on people, on women, because this can bleed into so many areas in your life, my dear. If you are afraid of losing your position because of authority or you're afraid of speaking up for yourself or you're afraid of losing something. And I was, <laughs> I sat down and thought about all these different ways that I see this happening. And I really do want you to reflect on it to see if it's something that you dealt with. So the intense need of feeling accepted by people, feeling accepted by people that you don't even know. It doesn't even mean that you have to even have a conversation with them. You just want to be able to be accepted. So if you're going to restaurants all the time where people drive like really nice cars, you feel like, okay, if I don't have this nice car, then I don't want anyone to see me or if I can't dress like this. I don't want, I don't want them to know that I'm, I'm not like them. And you kind of have this dual sense of identity because you feel like you should be like them, but for some reason, you didn't get those opportunities. Or if you're a person who has maybe allowed other people to take advantage of you because you have a people-pleasing spirit and you don't want to lose that affection with whoever's in authority, whoever's in charge. Of course, that probably started off with your parents, but it can bleed down to anyone who's over you in any way, whether you're in the military or you have a job, whatever it is, you don't want to say no because you're afraid of losing the money, losing the respect, losing the position, losing just the person liking you or the person, you know, just saying hello to you, whatever it is. So when people are afraid, when we as women are afraid of this, we get ourselves into so many problems. And these are some of the things that I've noticed that we get ourselves into. So having people take advantage of us financially. If you are afraid that a person is not going to like you and maybe they're trying to get money out of you and you don't really feel comfortable with it. You don't want to say no and you're afraid to say no and so you give in or it could be a situation where maybe a man is using you for your place or your car, driving your car around, using you for a place to stay, using you in terms of saying that they're, you know, talking to you. But then you guys are going out on dates and you're paying for everything. Um, so just taking advantage of you financially and you can't get yourself to say, 
I don't want to do this anymore. I don't like this because you're afraid that he's going to leave you. So I've seen this happen so many times when a man moves from like out of state or out of the country and a person's like dating them long distance and then they move and they're staying with you. He could have chosen to stay at a hotel or with a friend or with anyone else, but you're letting him live with you because he came from out of state. And that's your excuse because you want to be able to provide him something so that he can see that you're valuable and you let him live with you and you take care of him just to be able to have him there. Women do this all the time and then end up being used later on or just feeling less than because you know what's really going on. You know what you were doing. Also, just letting people take advantage of us sexually, performing sexual favors to people because we want to be liked. We want to be valued. We like whatever comes with that. So if that means that this person texts you a couple times a week, if that means that you get to tell people that you're dating this guy, even if it's the bare minimum, it's just you performing sexual favors for them, you feel good about it because you feel like, well, I can't say no. And I don't want this person to not like me. I don't want this person to leave. This may be the door that I can get in with. So I want to continue this. It can be maybe sleeping or having sex with your boss or someone who is making a big decision for you because you don't want to say no. You don't want to lose the position. You think this person is in the place of authority. And so you, you're just really careful about saying no, even though you maybe don't even want to. And I have heard about this happening over and over again in the military. And, and that's a very different environment. I understand where a lot of women do have a lot of fear of sticking up for themselves. But unfortunately, a lot of men do use that opportunity to get women who do have these spiritual issues going on to do things that they're not comfortable doing. This is important too if you are in a relationship with a person who's married or you're sleeping with a man who has a wife and you're doing it because you really want this person to be in your life and you feel like if you say no and you say, no, I don't think it's right that this person is going to stop dating you, stop talking to you, even though you know what you're doing is wrong. You just don't have it in you to stop. You don't have it in you to say, I don't like this. This is not right. It can be you being at work and having a certain coworker who's inappropriate, who's flirting with you, who is just being disrespectful and saying things that are just inappropriate at work, but you're allowing it. You're not telling him, you know, I don't like when you talk like that, or I can you please not say that around me? You can't even get that out of you because you're so afraid of what's going to happen in terms of him maybe not being your friend at work anymore or not getting special privileges at work or whatever the case might be, you're not comfortable. This goes on to people even taking advantage of you emotionally. It can be at work. It can be in your personal life, but people just dumping on you and you allowing it, you not being able to tell people, okay, this is like the third time you call me this week about this problem, you know, and I really don't have the time to be able to talk about it. Or when you know that they're just dumping on you, you know that they're using you because you don't ever say no. And so you're taking all this time, your precious time to listen to these people just dumping on you. 
This happened to me a couple of times where there are certain people that I either were friends with or worked with, and they would always call me as they were driving home. And they would have these like long commutes and I would already be at home relaxing from work. And they're calling me, spending an hour on the phone with me every day. And it got to the point where I was just like, you're just trying to use me for your commute. Like you're just trying to use me for a conversation. So you're not bored, you know? And I don't know if you rotate people, but that is not my purpose to entertain you while you're driving. I'm not, I don't have time for that. And I'm not okay with that. But people will try to do things like that. And if you're not able to stick up for yourself or just not be available or just tell them, you know, call them out on it sometimes, it just continues. And if you're afraid to lose that friendship or lose that position, then it does put you in a position where you know, you are worried and you can even be a parent. Sometimes you're a parent and you are, it's not even authority. You've carried this orphan spirit for so long that you're afraid that your children are not going to like you. And so you can't tell your children, no, you can't set boundaries for your children because you're afraid that they're going to stop talking to you or that they're going to start being self-destructive because you said, no, they're going to hate you. So this spirit does manifest in so many different ways in terms of wanting people to like us, wanting to preserve our image with people by allowing them to step over our boundaries or just doing things and having thoughts that are just inappropriate. One other thing I noticed about the orphan spirit is a lot of times we're kind of looking over our shoulders at what other people are doing. So some of us maybe are in situations where our whole life we've always felt like we were behind. We didn't have as much. And so we're always wondering, oh, how did you get that? How did, you know, I, I would meet people like that and they come off as opportunists because they're always asking people, how did you get that? Where'd you get that? And it's like constant. And it's like, they just want to make sure that no one's winning. Like they're always on top because they have this, this void that they want to fill to make sure that they never are in that position again. So it's a very, very serious spirit. It's important to, if you have a parent who carries that spirit and maybe tries to project those ideals on you. So they want you to be like the perfect child in every way. They want you to have the highest degree. They want you to have the best body, marry the best man. And not just because they want the best for you, but because they want to be like, well, I have the best daughter. She's married to a surgeon who makes seven figures a year, but this person is abusive, but she doesn't care because she just wants you to have the image, right? So that oftentimes becomes an identity crisis that can kind of be projected onto you, even if that's your parent. So she bullet points some different characteristics of the of the the orphan spirit and I'm going to read them to you because there's there's quite a few but they're very powerful and I believe that you should definitely if nothing else if you didn't get this book for anything else I think this chapter is enough to get this book for she describes one of the characteristics as the orphan spirit operates out of insecurity and fear so when Esther was not summoned for 30 days she did not know if the king had found someone else more pleasing or if she was nearly losing her influence. So even though scriptures state that the king loved her more than all the women in the entire kingdom, she was still not secure in his love. Many times orphans have an inability to receive love. Another characteristic, the orphan spirit causes you to 
be performance oriented. Okay. Esther won favor with the king and she focuses on the word won favor. She won favor with everyone who saw her, indicating that favor wasn't just given or bestowed upon her, but it indicates something that she was doing. I believe Esther was gracious and well-mannered, but her heart was one that believed I have to perform or give to get everything that I have to become number one. And this is so important. I think this one is huge because a lot of times as women, that is why we do things like have sex with a guy and then don't even understand why we did it a year later because you're trying to prove and perform. And for some women, that's the only time they can perform because they don't feel like they have anything else to maybe offer a guy. So they have to offer their body and that's what makes them feel valuable. So if they can have a guy who remembers them as having the best body or being able to perform uh, favors the best or having, you know, the best body parts or feeling the best. That's what gives them their sense of worth because they were able to perform in a way that they feel out, you know, outperforms other women. And the orphan spirit causes you to always be in an inner competition with others. It's inner. So people may not necessarily know you're in competition with them, but you're always competing with someone else in whatever way you're doing it. The spirit dictates that you must stand out at all costs. The orphan spirit gains its identity from being better than everyone else. So that's what's important to you. It's not just about wanting to do a great job or wanting to make a difference or an impact, but you want to be better than everyone else in it. And you are always in competition. The orphan spirit lacks self-esteem and identity. The orphan spirit is self-reliant. Okay, so this one, I wasn't quite sure if I agreed with um, how she stated it, but, you know, I, I think it's up to interpretation. So she says, when family life is dramatically disrupted, the orphan will only depend on what they can control. Esther was suddenly taken from her family. She may have felt that she had no one else to lean upon but herself. And the reason why I said I'm not sure if I agreed was because I... I just had a sense that she did have some sort of relationship or connection with God at some point in her life, just from the fact that she was raised as a Jew. I do think that she knew the Lord. And I believe, I'm pretty sure, just, I don't know, just from my own study, that when she went into a place that was scary or she just was uncertain of what was going to happen, that that's what she relied on was her relationship with God. And so I, I was thinking she probably did pray and and try to just channel that energy. I don't know about that one, but I do agree that the orphan spirit is self-reliant. The orphan spirit is self-protecting. Orphans feel unsure about their position. They feel uncovered and unprotected. Therefore, the instinct is to protect themselves. And I see this a lot with our foster youth, with our girls that were in foster care. A lot of times, because they've been bounced around from family to family, there is no trust. And they do feel like I have to protect myself. I don't want to get close to you because what if you leave? Or what if I have to be somewhere else next week? I don't want to open myself emotionally. And everything that they do really is on their own. They're self-reliant and self-protecting. The orphan spirit is deeply rooted in self-preservation. Self-preservation occurs when you obsess on protecting the things that you're afraid of losing. Mordecai challenged Esther's fear of losing everything. She worked so hard to gain. We must understand that when we become obsessed 
with protecting the very things we're afraid of losing, we tend to lose them more quickly. And that is just the truth because believe it or not, a lot of times people can sense the spirit on you. I'm sure so many of us, when we come across people who clearly are operating under the spirit, it's very obvious. A lot of times they may be people who are attention seekers and it could be in an attention seeking genre. I see this a lot like maybe on social media or with singers or actors where they'll all be together and you'll see the differences in the ones that want to just be outrageous. They want to be the loudest. They want to be, they have the outfit that's just screaming. You know, the, everything just has to be so extra because they need that attention. They need to feel like they're on top. And a lot of times it comes off very like jolting to the person watching and it stands out from everyone else, but they cannot see that. And in terms of self-preservation, this happened with me a few years back. I was with some friends and we were shooting, we're doing something that just took all day long. We were going from one location to the next location and we were so hungry. So between locations, one of the girls who I was really close to at the time, we were very close friends, she stopped to get some food. Now I didn't stop to get food because I wanted to be on time. (laughs) So I was on time to the next location. She stopped to get food. Yeah, she was late, but at least she wasn't hungry. So she had like I don't know. It was like a burger and fries, but it was a lot of food. And I was so hungry. I usually am not the kind of person that can easily ask for things. I can now. But at that time in my life, it took a lot for me to ask anyone for anything. And I just asked her, like, this is a good friend of mine. I'm like, can I have a French fry? And she said no. And I was so shocked. Like, what? One French fry is not going to, like, you have all this food. Clearly, like, you know I'm hungry, but she was so, it really bothered me because I just couldn't believe that she could deny me one French fry. But then I had to really reflect and think about her history and the things that she's been through as a person, uh, you know, just going through poverty as a child, going to a homeless shelter a couple times in her life. She developed an attitude where she was wanting to preserve herself and cared more about having food and having the things that she needed versus, you know, helping or sharing with other people. And a lot of those characteristics came out in her personality. And I had to take a step back and understand where it was coming from so that I wasn't so hurt by it because it made no sense to me. Um, so it's like, even when you have enough, you're just wanting to keep it all to yourself. She says here in this book, and this is something that goes in terms of self-preservation because it's such a big, big topic, especially now when we have this huge focus on self, 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 self-love, self-care, self, self, self. Everything is kind of like pointing back at us in this generation. And in Mark 8, 34 and 35, it says, then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples, this is Jesus. And Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. And this scripture for me was really tough. When the very first time I heard it, I didn't understand it. I had to do a lot of research to understand what he meant by whoever wants to save their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for me and the gospel 
will save it. And it really just goes back to the idea of wanting to preserve the things that you have in life. You want to preserve your image. You want to preserve your friendships. You want to be able to have the identity that you've always had, yet you're saying that you're now a follower of Christ. And when you come under Christ, he has a completely different way of having you live as his disciple. So when you're in the kingdom of God, it's the total opposite of the kingdom of darkness. Where we live now, this earth, the kingdom of God functions on very different rules. So when you're switching kingdoms, when you decided that you're a follower of Christ, you don't operate the same. You cannot. And that's where a lot of us get stuck because we want to keep these same friends. We want to keep those clothes that we used to wear. We want to keep our money to ourselves. And we want to keep the way that we operate here in this kingdom, but you can't and you have to pick. And so if you are denying yourself all of these things that you used to want for the sake of Jesus, then you will gain your life. You will gain everything that you could ever ask for now and forever. So that can look like a person who doesn't want to give, like the example I was telling you about. If you don't want to give your money because you want to keep all of your money, you don't want to give to charity, you don't want to give to people when they are in need, then you're operating from this kingdom because the kingdom of heaven says that if you give, you get everything that you gave and more. You get multiplied in your blessings. Here on earth, when you give, you're getting interest on that giving. People are, you're telling people about how you gave or you're not giving at all, each for his own, self-made. I did it, you do it. It's a very different mindset when you're in a different kingdom. So you can't say, well, I don't want to be poor. I, if I give, then I won't have money for myself. That's not kingdom. You will always have money for yourself. You will always have your needs provided for if you follow the kingdom laws. So. Self-preservation is the one thing that can really keep us back as people. So talking about getting delivered from the orphan spirit, she talks about fasting and praying and how you need deliverance in that way, in a spiritual way. And we talked about it in my last video about how to fast and fasting and praying and how important that is and how necessary it is for spiritual ties to be taken off of you. And I'm going to read what she says. It's only after fasting and praying that Esther seems confident and takes on a leadership role in the story. I believe in the time of fasting and prayer, the Lord delivered her from the bondage of the orphan spirit. This is how we can explain Esther's abrupt change in behavior from deep despair to determined action and from passiveness to leadership. She found confidence in the presence of the Lord. During her fast, Esther connected with her inner self and understood why she had been made queen. She understood why she had to suffer through her relationship with this irritable king. She understood that she had a mission and that she could shape reality rather than passively suffer through it. Esther had, had been made queen to save her people. Her mission and her faith shaped her character and inspired her to act and to succeed. Okay, so fasting and prayer for deliverance from the spirit is necessary. And we talked a lot about fasting in the last video. So I really do want you to watch that. It's, it's, I cannot explain because it's a spiritual thing. These are supernatural things happening. Every attitude you display has a spirit behind it. And until you're able to 
get rid of those attitudes and those functions, you may not be able to get to your destiny. And God is going to break those things from you in order to use you. So if you have a spirit of slothfulness, if you have a spirit of laziness and you can't get out of bed, you cannot wake up early, you cannot get your stuff done, you cannot meet your own deadlines, that is going to stop you from being able to be successful. You can sit there all day long and say, you want to go to business school or you want to start this wonderful service or whatever it is that you want to do. But if you can't even do the basic things, how can you get there? You need those spiritual things broken off of you. And we suffer in this world because we put it all on ourselves. I hear people all the time just saying, okay, you need to fix this. You need to read this book. You need to go to this seminar. And yeah, when you go to the seminar, when you read the book, you feel great afterwards. And you're like, yeah, I can do this. And then you don't do it because it's not just about reading information. It's not just about attending something and feeling good. There has to be a spiritual change. You need help. You, If you could do it on your own, you would have already done it. It's not that simple. You need deliverance in a supernatural way. You were never meant to do it by yourself. That was never meant to be the process. You were always supposed to rely on God and rely on him to take these things off of you. But you have to humble yourself and you have to say, I struggle with this. It takes a lot to be able to say, I really struggle with managing my money. I can't seem to save. You know, that's that takes a lot for you to be able to admit that. But if you can't do that, then how can you get the loan you need for your business? So a lot of these things do require you to humble yourself to the Lord and seek his faith earnestly, worship him in your spirit and truly ask for him to help you. He knows everything you need and he is more committed to you changing than you are because he needs his missions accomplished. He created you for a specific purpose. So he wants you to be able to get through this stuff. He's going to help you, that's for sure. But it does start with you humbly repenting and saying, okay, I am not going to sleep through my alarm. It's not in my control. Like I know that I cannot fix this on my own, but I don't want to. I don't want to sleep through my alarm. And I know I'm not going to with the help of God because he's the one that's going to get you to wake up. Of course, it's your choice, but he's definitely going to help you. You'll see a huge difference. And when you fast, it's important that you're fasting for one thing at a time if you can and not compiling so many things together. You want to be able to narrow down one thing at a time and focus on different aspects of your life that need correcting. And then you'll notice those spiritual promptings. So maybe he will wake you up and you just, for some reason, can't go back to sleep. But if you fight it and you force yourself to go back to sleep, even though you are not tired, I mean, God is not going to force you to do anything. So you have to realize when your spirit's being prompted to do something and to change, you'll notice it'll be a lot easier, but you still have the choice. Him taking that spirit off of her was what delivered her to be able to do that. And like I told you in my last video, that's something I had to do when I did all the different fasts I did. I did in the last seven months, I did like three or four different fasts for different things specifically. And in every single one of them, I had to be very humble. And a lot of it hurt for me to even admit. A lot of it, I did not want to say that about myself. <laughs> <laughs> even though it was true. God allowed me to see the mirror and I didn't like it. And I didn't want to deal with it. But once he took it off of me, it was like, wow, I was living with this heaviness. I was stopping me from so much. And I didn't realize that it was something that could be taken off of me. 
I didn't realize how some people could be able to do this and other people couldn't. And I thought they just had this special ability when really there's something hindering me and that thing can be taken off. Deliverance is necessary. It truly is. It's just important for you to understand that every single thing that's happened in your life, God's allowed it and orchestrated everything. Now, it's not to say that he told you to go do certain things, but even when you did, he always rerouted you back to the plan that he has for your life. And sometimes we do go through so much because we didn't have the knowledge. We didn't have the guidance. And God will still use that situation because he knows that because you went through it, you're going to be more passionate about it. So if he can get you to be motivated to do something about it, then you can change the world. Like imagine if you were a college student from Rwanda and you came to America and you had no way of paying for school and you bust you know, different tables at restaurants and you work two, three jobs just to be able to go to college. And you just felt like, I can't believe I had to do so much, but you finally graduate and you get a great job. And then you decide that you want to start a foundation for women from Rwanda so that they don't have to pay for college. And you use your efforts, your time, your money to be able to set this up. So someone else doesn't have to go through what you went through. But if you went through all of that, and at the end of the day, you weren't able to even see why God used you to be able to do that, then how could you help anyone else? If you're too busy focusing on how sad it is that you had to do something that other people didn't have to go through, then you cannot have deliverance and you cannot help other people. And you also cannot find your purpose. And then you also cannot be truly happy in your life because until you find that, that thing inside of you that we all have, we all know that we all should be doing something greater than we're doing. Everyone has it inside of them. If you don't ever tap into that thing, you're never going to truly be happy because you know that there's something more that you were called to do. So you have to be able to break free from these spiritual ties to be able to look at your life and say, oh, I went through a lot and a lot of it was not fair. A lot of it doesn't make sense to me, but I trust that God will use this for his glory and he will reroute everything Satan did to help other people and to advance his kingdom. That is literally what Jesus did for you. He was different because he didn't sin at all, but he didn't do anything wrong. And yet he suffered for you. He suffered so you could get that that full ride scholarship and not have to pay a cent or worry about anything. Everything's just clearly mapped out for you. You just have to show up. That's what he did for you by suffering. Your feminine session today was sponsored by Pros. Pros is a brand that creates customized hair care products for people, not hair types. You'll never have to compromise on healthy hair goals because every product formula is made with you in mind. Their freshly made-to-order products are designed to transform with you through seasonal and lifestyle changes. I was so excited to be able to try this brand out because I have been neglecting my hair after moving, planning for a wedding, and just being extremely busy. I've really depended on wearing wigs and haven't thought about my hair. But once I received this opportunity, 
I filled out their quiz online, which was so unique. And there were tons of questions that I had never been asked before about my hair and about my lifestyle for them to formulate the best products for me. And I love the fact that they don't focus on hair types, but they focus on lifestyle and what your hair responds to. Pros stands by clean and responsible beauty. So every formula is sustainably sourced and cruelty free. So pros can accommodate virtually any preference, including vegan, gluten free, and more. Pros realizes that there is more to you than just your hair type. So they've given over 1 million consultations to figure out exactly what it is that your hair needs. And that's why their quizzes are so well informed, including things like your eating habits, your exercise habits, even where you live. My favorite product was the hair oil because it was formulated with high quality oils and the bottle is just so beautiful. My hair just looks super shiny in a really healthy way. It looks gorgeous sitting out and gorgeous in my hair. I thoroughly enjoyed the amount of detail this brand offers. How beautiful the bottles look. The personalization that's on the actual bottle is gorgeous. And if you're not 100% positive that it's the best hair care you've had, they will take the products back with no questions asked. That is some serious confidence. Pros is a healthy hair regimen with your name all over it, girl. If you want to take advantage of this healthy hair care regimen with your name all over it, then take your free in-depth hair quiz and get 15% off of your first order today. Go to pros.com slash impression. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash impression for your free in-depth hair quiz and 15% off. Thank you so much, Pros, for sponsoring this feminine session. We all suffer in different ways in life to open the door for someone else. And so we have to make sure that we're not relying on ourselves to be healed. All of the self-love, self-care, self, all that stuff is not is truly nonsense if you don't have Christ. You cannot help and love yourself. You never will because you don't know what love actually means until you know Jesus. You just won't understand it. I'm going to read what she says on page 87. She says that women are not second-class citizens in the kingdom. We are daddy's girls. He has already declared the end from the beginning. His plans for us are good and not evil. We must be healed from father rejection. We are not orphans. We have received the spirit of adoption and we can cry out to him, Abba, Father, God. God the Father loves, protects, and sustains. And that to me was so powerful. When I pray, I I don't say like, dear God. I literally will say, Abba, I call out to him. Daddy, I, I talk to him like he is my father. Now, we all have an earthly father, but we have a heavenly father. And depending on what your relationship is or was like with your earthly father, 
Some of you had amazing fathers, you know, some of you had spectacular fathers that did their job, protected for you, provided for you, loved on you. And some of your fathers may not even be here. They may be deceased, but they were so great. And you miss that and you miss that protection and you miss their love. But you have to know that you have a heavenly father who outdoes any earthly father and can and will provide for you and love on you because he loves you more than your earthly father could ever love you. And if you had an earthly father who did not do his job, who hurt you instead of protected you, or who rejected you and didn't stay around or didn't care about your life or didn't participate in your life, that is very painful. That rejection, that pain is something not to be taken lightly because as a woman, it shapes the way that you see men, the way that you see relationships, the way that you see what you're worth, what you're willing to tolerate from a man. All of it really stems from your father. So if you don't have a good father-daughter dynamic, then sometimes how you see God as your father can be warped. You might think he's some mean old dad or he's, you know, some wishy-washy man when he's not. God is not even a man. He is God. He, what we're doing is beneath him. Okay. He is nothing like your earthly father. Nothing like him. So it's a beautiful thing that we have the spirit of adoption. We've been adopted and we can call him Abba. We can call him daddy. You are his baby girl. And if you don't have an earthly father, you have a heavenly father. You have someone who will never leave you, never, ever, ever leave you and will give you every single thing. In Matthew 7, 11, Jesus says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good things to those who ask? Your father in heaven loves you so much and he calls our father here evil. Not to say that they're evil people, but they're not on the same level, basically. If you, a human, a human father can buy your daughter all these great gifts, can buy her Maserati, flowers every day, lots of money in her bank account, and you're evil, you're not even on my level, what do you think I can do? Okay, so there's no comparison to a human father and God. And the way you see God is going to determine how you relate to him. I always say he's not some old man with a long beard in the sky pointing his finger at you. He's not. He's a king. He is swaggy. Okay. He is bold. He is, I don't even, when I picture God in my mind, I don't even look at him as old. <laughs> I look at him as young. You know, I, I picture him to be the perfect image of perfection and he is not us. And how I see him even visually affects how I approach him, okay? And he looks nothing like my dad <laughs> in my mind. So you don't have to draw that connection because one is human and one is being used to be your earthly protector and provider. And if they didn't do their job, even what they didn't do will be used for your good and will be used for your purpose. And God will still and always look after you. And he will always grant you justice for what didn't happen in your life. He will give you way more than your earthly father could have ever given you. And a lot of times protected you from what your earthly father would have done if he was in your life. Okay, which is so serious because the damage is irreversible sometimes without true 
humbling and coming to God and just getting cleansed and delivered from some of those things, some of your fathers have done things that are detestable. And only the love of God can cleanse you from that so that you can be renewed and restored and you can be his little girl and have a brand new life. So I want to go ahead and read this prayer. This is a prayer that breaks the orphan spirit. So if you are listening, you can just close your eyes and I'm going to read the words, but I definitely want you to agree and just take in these words for your own life because it is so powerful. This is a prayer that breaks the orphan spirit. Lord, I thank you that you love me. I receive your love. Let the power of your blood cleanse me from the orphan spirit. Baptize my heart with the fire of your love. Let the fire of your love burn away the rejection and fear. Let the fire of your love purge away the dross of the orphan spirit. Your love is like venomous flames and many waters cannot quench your love for me. The flames of your love for me are eternal and many floods will never be able to drown it out. Your word says that you will not leave us as orphans, but you will come to us. Holy Spirit, come and pour the love of God in my heart. Holy Spirit, teach me how to receive the love of the Father. Come empower me with the truth of your love. I loose myself from the survivalist mentality. I don't want to just survive. I want to enjoy the abundant life you have for me. I am tired of making fig leaves for myself. I am tired of living in fear and shame. I will no longer hide from your presence. I humble myself, Lord. Your word says that unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it will not bear fruit. I choose to die to self. I will not only be concerned with my best interests, but I will also use my authority to benefit the well-being of others. I shake myself free from passivity and indifference. I am a daughter of the king. I am not an orphan. I don't have to perform to receive your love. I receive the spirit of adoption and I cry, Abba, Father. I lose myself from all insecurity and fear. I lose myself from self-preservation. Forgive me for being obsessed with trying to keep things I've obtained through striving and competing. No longer will I compete to survive. I have favor with you. I trust your love to protect me. I find my security in you. You are my heavenly father. You provide for me. I choose to obey your word. I will no longer try to save myself, but lose it in the arms of your love. Amen. That was a prayer to break free from the orphan spirit. With God being your father, you do not ever have to perform for him. Even if you were a straight A student, <laughs> you just have to know that even if you didn't, if, even if you didn't get straight A's, he would love you the same. Just like when you have children and they perform, even if they don't do perfect, you tell them, I love you even if you don't get straight A's. I love that you're getting straight A's, but even if you didn't, that would not change my love for you because it's not based on how you perform in school, how you perform in the workforce, how you perform in your dating life. It's based on you just being who you are. And that's how God sees you. None of it has to do with what you perform like here on this earth. He will help you to do that. 
Okay, so I want to just make sure that you leave with that. One of the things that is so important about the Esther anointing in terms of this orphan spirit, especially for those who, those of us who want to preserve a certain image of ourselves, is that a lot of times it's so debilitating and it's so stressful to have to hide your identity and have to be one person or have to maintain certain friendships because we want certain things. And a lot of times it can lead to being a liar, making up things, just having a spirit of like a double life, basically. Like you might even have addictions and things like that that no one knows about. No one knows what you do when you go home. You have a a high power job as an attorney and you're well respected and you're loved in your community, but they don't know that when you go home, you're addicted to Xanax or you're smoking weed every night to sleep or you need all of these other things to bring you back to reality. And you have to just hide this part of you because on the outside, you have a certain image. And when I say no one knows, sometimes your own family that live in your house don't know. Your own husband doesn't know because he doesn't pay enough attention. He's, he can't tell when you're high. You know, I mean, these things run very deep, but God sees everything. He sees you. He sees you. And he just wants you to ask him for help. That is really all it is. It's all love. There is no condemnation. He loves you. He just wants you to ask him for help and he will help you. Nothing can happen here in this world, in this realm, without you doing it. You have to do it. He needs you to do it. Now for some Q&A. Did I get baptized again when I rededicated my life? The reason why I didn't get baptized, I haven't baptized as a child, but I was too young to really uh, understand what it meant to be a disciple of Christ, to follow Jesus. So yeah, I mean, I was baptized. I went to Sunday school. I went to church my whole life. Always identified as a Christian, but it is different from, I always say it's different being a fan and being a follower of Christ are two different things. So you can say like, oh, Jesus was great. He died for us. He rose from the dead. Like, But you have no idea who Jesus even is. Jesus doesn't become real until you actually stop what you're doing in your life that you shouldn't be doing and you ask him to come into your heart and take over your life. And I really... I think that that happens later on. A lot of children get baptized really young, but they don't, they're not really, they're not truly saved yet. So I didn't get baptized again because I didn't need to be, but I was baptized by the Holy Spirit. And that was very, very awesome. And that was a supernatural baptism. So I was able to do things like speak in tongues, uh, sorry, pray in tongues and um, other amazing supernatural gifts just to be able to help you ladies, really help you ladies heal. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is real in you. Oh, he is. He's my best friend. He is my best friend. And, and you know what? I was saved during the pandemic. So I think if church was in session, I probably would have asked to get baptized just because I thought that's what I needed. But all of this happened with me during the pandemic where I had no way of even going to church, no way of even like everything that's happened with me has been by myself. Like I haven't had any influences from the actual church at all. (laughs) It's literally just me and God like together so much that he poured all this stuff inside of me. 
which to me is amazing. It shows that you can be saved in any part of the world. You can be baptized by the Holy Spirit anywhere. You don't need anyone to necessarily do it. And all the power that you get, all the things that God does with you, making you cry. I'm so, I'm sorry. I did not want you to cry. Oh, you lost your stepfather two years ago. He was the only father I knew. I never thought to think of God in that way. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's important to think of God that way because that's who he is. He is your father. He's the one who gave you that father, but he's your original father. So he has so much more to offer you than you're probably even accessing so that you can really know his love. You're welcome. How did Jesus help you stay authentic to who you are? Well, one thing that he did was he stripped me from all of the different identity identities I attached myself to in the past. I used to hang on really tight to like being from Ghana. And then when I had natural hair, being a natural, being a 4C natural and being a psychologist, all these things that people in those communities like they stick to hard. You should see <laughs> like the psychologists that I went to school with and that, you know, I work with, they, they are 100% committed to living a life of a psychologist in terms of like, it's on their, their car, it's on their keychain, it's on their shirts. They just, that's their whole identity. So I was wrapped into all these different identities based on what I wanted to connect to and all of it meant absolutely nothing to me after I gave my life to Christ. He showed me where my identity really was. You are a witness. Yes. That's what you're supposed to be is a witness. How many times have I been baptized? Only once when I was very little. Did I notice a difference after? No, because I was being baptized as a ritual religious sort of thing, but it wasn't a decision that I made as an adult to say that I'm giving my life to God and really understanding what that means. Because when you give your life to Christ, listen, when you give your life to Christ, he wants all of you. God wants all of you. He is not going to play around with you. So you can't. <laughs> I think I was listening to Dr. Tony Evans, who's an amazing, amazing pastor and writer. And he was speaking about how, you know, when you are born again, it's like a fish in water. And the water, the water is Christ and you are the fish. So you need to be in Christ, meaning like hearing sermons, praise and worship, watching movies that are biblical movies. Like you need to be in Christ. You can't be watching the Kardashians and binging on Netflix shows, watching things with violence. All that stuff goes completely against Christ, his nature. And you lose that connection that you actually need. So then you end up being like super sad or super down because you just don't feel good because you're not in your, your natural habitat anymore. He wants all of you. God wants all of you. He doesn't want to share you with Netflix. He doesn't want to share you with your boyfriend that you're obsessed with. He doesn't want to share you with whatever it is that you spend your time doing. He wants all of you. And that is something that is important to know because if you try to start, you know, doing a little bit of this and a little bit of that, you are going to see how that's going to go for you. It's a full commitment. The Holy Spirit is really delivering others and me during this time. That's amazing. I'm thankful to hear that. You are not alone. It's so interesting that you say that because I feel I'm going through a moment where I'm disconnected from so much because I feel God needs my full attention. Oh, yes, absolutely. He will ensure that that's he's going to require that you are disconnected. And that's where he's going to start showing you who you are and who he is. You can't just know God just by reading 
you know, a couple scriptures here and there and going to church. That is not enough. You don't know. You need to know God's personality. When you know his personality, then you'll be able to start hearing from him. You'll know what to do in situations. It'll change your life. You have so many fans down under <laughs> Australia and Sydney. Nice. Has a man ever tried to come between you and Jesus? Hmm. No, no. I cannot say a man has ever tried to come between me and Jesus, no. Then again, I would not usually, as an adult, yeah, I think there's only one person I've ever even like entertained that wasn't a Christian. I think every single person I've ever aligned myself with knew God. So I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even go down that route. But in terms of like taking me away from like what I wanted to do, no. But I do have to make hard decisions sometimes. Like, you know, if, Let's say Joshua, my fiance, wanted to watch a movie that had a lot of like violence or cursing in it. I will have to tell him, like, as much as I want to watch it with him, I can't watch it. You know, I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't. I just can't. <laughs> at a certain point in time, it's not even like, oh, I can't because I'm going to get God's going to be mad at me. It's like, no, I actually can't. My nature cannot handle that. I, it's, it is horrible for me. Um, and, you know, he always understands. Maybe he doesn't see why it's such a big deal. Um, but I have to make those decisions sometimes, which can can be uncomfortable. If I have to say, oh, I'm sorry, I can't go here. The things I used to do, like, oh, I, I'm not going to go with you to that party or whatever. I can't anymore. You know, I belong to someone else now. And I'm sorry. I'm not sorry, but I'm sorry that I'm sorry if it it's a problem, but it, it is what it is. No one has ever tried to come between me and God, though. No. Yes, he is a jealous God. You said it. He is a jealous God. He does not play with his daughters. Like you, he does not play. If you say you want him and he shows up in your life, you are going to be loved like you've never been loved. It is a special, beautiful, it is, it is such a different kind of love that there is no other love that will ever feel like that love. There is no other love. It is a, it is a supernatural, all-encompassing love. You wouldn't want to risk it anyway. That's the thing. Like you wouldn't want to jeopardize it. Yes, guard your eyes and your ears. Everything matters. The thing, the music you're listening to. I'm a huge music girl. I love music. I love. I used to love hip hop and R&B because I love to dance. I can memorize songs like that. I lo I've always loved hip hop and just music. And so I stopped listening. I mean, that stuff went out the door immediately. And again, it wasn't like, it was like, oh, I can't listen to this anymore. <laughs> That's so religious. It wasn't like that. It was just like, I don't feel comfortable. I feel uncomfortable when I listen to this. I don't enjoy it anymore. It doesn't make me feel like it used to make me feel. And it just stops. So it's really... It's not like a thou shall not moment. It's really like, I'm not feeling this anymore. It's not feeding my soul because you are, you get a new spirit and you are spirit, right? So you get, you become born again. When you were born the first time, that was not your choice. When you become born again, it's also God giving you a gift and allowing you to be a new person in spirit, even though you have your same body, which Again, he also quickens a lot of things about me physically changed. Even if you watch some of my previous videos, like when I first started my femininity series, if you look at me, my eyes look dead. Like I look so different now than I did even at the beginning of me starting my femininity videos because at that time I wasn't even born again. I, of course, like I always incorporated God in my life, but I was not a new person. And so even on a physical level, he's changed me so much in terms of how I look.
Do you believe wearing makeup is an integral part of expressing femininity? This isn't shade. You look great. I'm literally asking because I've never worn it, but interested in your opinion. No, absolutely not. Femininity is more about how you act than how you look. It, it How you look does matter. Don't get me wrong. But it is more about how you act versus how you look. And makeup is good just for polishing up when you need to. If you just want to look more put together. But I think if, if you wanted to do something just basic, you can just have like a go-to lipstick. Go to lipstick and do your, make sure your eyebrows are, are clean. That to me, if your face is clean, if you don't have any skin problems and you just look fresh, you don't, no, you don't need makeup. You don't need makeup, but it's part, it's girly. It's part of being a woman. It's, it's just fun. It's something that helps make you feel glam and make you feel dolled up. You took a five-year-old little girl and you took her to get her nails done and she painted them pink and you took her to get her hair done at the hair salon. I guarantee you that little girl is going to come home with an attitude. She's going to be flipping around her hair. She's going to be touching her hair, scrunching it up. She's going to be moving her nails around. She's going to be acting like she looks so cute because it's a confidence booster. So it's it's just a choice. You don't need to wear makeup if you don't want to. How do you maintain celibacy? By deciding that you care more about pleasing the Lord than about having sex. It, it It's a mental shift and you are helped by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, when you have the Holy Spirit, he will help you. So a lot of people have wrote me that they were having issues with masturbation and porn. Like so many of you ladies have had, have had breakthroughs in this area, which I'm so thankful for because it, it takes over your life or it becomes habitual. And so... It's that same spirit though. You no longer want to. And that to me is so important because society says you just have to do it. You just have to fix it. You just have to change your mind. And it's like, yeah, but that's not going to stop me from wanting to do it. You need that spiritual power. So it really is a decision first that you would rather please God than please yourself. And you are willing to die, die to self, die to your carnal needs that you think that you need. And you'd rather do things his way. And he will free you from that. 100%. And you want to be with a person who honors your relationship with God because the most important thing you can have is a partner who also honors, loves, and respects God and has the Holy Spirit in him because your marriage, whoo, it will be the roughest, toughest thing you ever walked into if he doesn't have the Holy Spirit. You don't even want that kind of guy. Be a woman after God's own heart. It's a commitment. It's a relationship. It's a wonderful feeling, a feeling like none other. Fall in love with Jesus. Yes. I told you guys to watch the show, The Chosen. Watch the show, The Chosen. If you have no idea what Jesus was like here on earth, the show is so good. It's on YouTube. Just type in The Chosen. I have it linked under every one of my episodes. It is, oh, someone said that they cried in every episode. I cried in almost every episode because the way that Jesus portrayed in that show to me seems exactly like how Jesus probably was. And it just shows you how much love Jesus has. Like he is love and it just, you fall in love with him and you just want him and that's it. Can you do a video about body image and femininity? Holy Spirit has been talking to me about my temple and self-love, but having a more athletic build, I sometimes feel less than a woman, less than waist. Hmm. Hmm. 
Okay, I'll, I'll think about that. I'll think about that. I'll, I'm sure it'll fall in place at some point. I um, Making videos for me is tough sometimes because I, I have certain things I want to do videos on, but then God has things he wants me to do videos on because some of you ladies just need help in different areas. And so I really do videos based on what God asked me to do videos on because that's where he, he needs my attention in those areas. So... So a lot of times I'll do random stuff and it's like, what girl, get back to business. So I'll think about that. Um, but I definitely, that is something you need to pray about because that to me is a spiritual thing. Serena is beautiful. She is, Serena Williams is beautiful and she's strong and feminine. Yes. Have you, have you ever heard Serena Williams speak? She has a very feminine voice. She carries herself in a very feminine way. Yes, her body is athletic, but that's, that has nothing to do with being feminine. What are your thoughts on content creators who may pretend to be Christians to gain subscribers? <laughs> I've never even thought about that before. I've never thought about that before. I don't understand why anyone would ever do that though. I don't, I don't get it. Why would anyone ever do that? To me, it seems like it'd be more difficult. I, I just, I've never come across that problem. And how do you know that they're pretending to be Christian? That's the part I'm trying to, what makes you think that they are pretending to be Christian? What I do know is that it's inappropriate to call people out on things in public. That's something that bothers me a lot about people who claim to be Christian is the amount of like nastiness they display. If someone is doing something that you know that they're a Christian or they say that they are and they're doing something that you think doesn't align and you find it to be your business, which really you need to figure out what is and is not your business. But if you are so moved, then it should be done privately in a private message out of true concern and pray for them and, and really want the best for them and not try to embarrass them, call them out. You got to be really careful about stuff like that, especially when you're dealing with God's children, because you, you read the Bible and you'll see how God feels about his children and what he will do on the other end to fight for his children if you're if you're messing with them. So be careful with that. How do I deal with jealousy in relationships? Jealousy, like me being jealous or my partner being jealous? Been intentionally putting God first, but lately feeling lonely. What will help with this? Prayer. Prayer, reading your Bible, joining a Bible study group, joining joining groups with other women, just on whatever interests you have in general. A lot of times we shut ourselves in. Find things that you are passionate about, that you're interested in, dreams and goals that you've had, you know, and find other people who are also into it and just try to build more bonds and friendships. But prayer is a number one key. Jesus is the major key, major key alert to every single thing. Everything that's going on happens first in the spiritual realm. Someone said, like, I think it was a pastor I was listening to today. He says, like, before there's a car accident, there is a car accident spirit that's there before the accident happens. You can pray things from happening. I got a message from a girl that used to be into, like, a lot of new age stuff. And she told me she was born into that. And she used to always think that she had no control over the bad things that happened in her life. And then she became a Christian. Her parents are into all the new age stuff, but it freed her from so much anxiety and worry about like what's going to happen to me. And it stopped all these things from happening in her life that she always thought were just coincidences and accidents. You can pray things out of your life, into your life, but if you're feeling lonely, you must seek God and truly seek his face. You can pray and fast about it, but really 
understanding his promises to you that you may feel lonely, but there's a reason why. What is it that you think you are missing? And that's where you start because there is a void of some sort there that you need to be able to fill, but in an appropriate way. You have to first figure out what that void is. Okay. And put personal information on people. Attack other content creators, children's when they get called out by subbies. They say they don't give. Okay, major jungle beats. I don't understand what you're saying. One thing I don't do is ever get involved in YouTube drama. I don't get involved in anything. I don't like drama. I don't like stuff like that any way, shape, or form. I don't like meddling in people's business and people's personal lives. It is none of my business. And um, I don't even like being attached or grouped into any groups on YouTube. I just don't want any of it. So I think the best thing to do is really to mind your own business. And if there's something that's wrong that's happening, then yes, speak out about it. But I don't, major jungle bees, I just don't understand what you're saying. Um, if you have issues with jealousy, you need to pray about it. That's a spirit that needs to be released. That is a spirit that needs to be released. And that is a serious one. So I, you need to fast, fast and pray. That's so serious. God has been talking about the Esther anointing before finding your channel. That's amazing. And it reminded me of this prophecy about it. What was the prophecy? That's so awesome. That, you know what? You're not the first person to say that. I've been having a lot of people tell me that God is like pointing them towards Queen Esther and the Esther anointing and that he led them to my channel. I think it's, it just blows my mind and I'm grateful. I don't know you, but you don't, you ask why someone would pretend to be a Christian. Okay. Not to judge, but God loves children. What would make a person take children's pictures and post them? Well, people have a lot of, a lot of darkness going on. We live in a kingdom of darkness. This is Satan's world. And in terms of who's running things around here, a lot of people have exposed themselves to things that have created a lot of darkness inside of them and they are sick. And it's really hard to understand why they do what they do. And instead of focusing on that, you focus on what you can do about that and how you can help some of those people. Um, but I don't, I don't know why people pretend to be Christians. I think that's dangerous to be pretending to be a Christian if you're not. I, I mean, there's a lot of people that pretend to be things and that's just normal. How can you break addiction? Hmm, that's major by prayer and fasting. And yeah, I mean, to me, that is the only way is asking God for his Holy Spirit and truly repenting and saying, Lord, I don't want to do this anymore. I know this is something I've been doing. I've, I was loving it. It, I don't want it anymore. I know it's destroying me or I just feel disgusted or whatever it is. And you just tell him like, I'm ready to be yours now and give your life over to Christ and allow Jesus to come into your heart. And the Holy Spirit will smack that thing out of your hand. Trust me, like <laughs> you will break out of that addiction. You just have to have faith that you do not need it. Okay. You can also go to counseling, depending on what the addiction is. You can go to counseling. There are therapists that can also help you to mentally break out of addictions as well. So the spiritual with the uh, mental together to me is the best, the most effective way, but you don't necessarily need, need, need the mental piece all the time, depending on what your addiction is, how long you've been addicted to it. What it is, is really going to matter. That's really going to make a difference what it is that you're addicted to. It's amazing that you taught yourself. I did not teach myself. The Holy Spirit taught me. 
But yes, you can't be successful on your own. What I was trying to say was that no, not like a physical person didn't come and teach me anything that I know. It all came from reading the Bible, the Holy Spirit's help, and Dr. Miles Monroe, my mentor. He made the Bible come alive to me. I've seen many people talking about the book of Esther or posting verses about the book. It was confusing. Oh, you were confusing it with the book of Ruth. Yeah, a lot of people do confuse the two. You're not the only one. I just bought the book during this Bible study. Yay, I'm glad you bought the book. That's great. I did the Esther series on my channel and it's so awesome. I found you too. Hey, Angela Bell. Oh, you did the Esther series in your channel? I want to watch it. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening in. And I hope that you can have a relationship with Christ, invite him into your heart and allow him to be your Lord and Savior, saving you from all the things that you cannot save yourself from and truly come into your heart in a supernatural way to change you from the inside out. I love you so, so much. And I'll see you next time. Big kisses to you all. Have a good night. That's it, ladies. Thank you so much for tuning in to this podcast today. I hope that you gained some wonderful insight. Because you ladies listen here on the podcast, you don't have the opportunity to have sort of a dialogue. So you can always go to my Instagram page, A Feminine Impression, and I have all of these chapters on my Instagram page. So if there was something that stood out to you in today's, you can leave a comment and just describe what it did for your life or what you gained from it. It's a great place to be able to have some dialogue and some feedback from other women. I thank you so much for being here. I thank you for all of your love and I appreciate all of your support. You can always go back on my YouTube channel, Dr. Michelle Daff and watch the actual live videos in order to also look at some of the comments that the ladies were leaving as I was going through each chapter. I pray that each and every one of you ladies have a wonderful week and make sure that in everything you do, you make a feminine impression. Until next time, my loves, this is your host, Dr. Michelle Daff, and you're listening to a Feminine Impression Podcast.